Hey guys, I'm Lance. And I'm Kayla. We are the Jaded Roses, and this is our Broken Mirror. Where we dive deep down and take a really good look at ourselves, each other, and everything around us. Let's just hope we don't get any glass lodged somewhere unseemly. So, this will be another additional recording. We figured we'd take this opportunity to start a little series discussing, I believe, one of the more formative books and anthologies Mm -hmm. and specifically our lives but they really i feel like defined a small little subset of the generation at least in our generation that grew up to be such fans of horror and that is the scary stories to tell in the dark trilogy of collection of stories i don't know how to three book series that act as an anthology of different like folklore and Stuff like that. Yeah, because they've been around since, like, uh, late 80s, I believe. Yeah. And the last one, I think, was published in early 2000s. So these are all, like, mini stories with illustration. I just ordered myself a copy of the three books. Awesome. In the last few years, I bought myself a collected anthology of the three of them with the original artwork. So I think it was sometime in the mid-90s, maybe? Or it might have been after the third book came out. It's surprising how these books ended up at, like, the Scholastic Book Fairs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Because they get really, really fucked up. Yeah. And it was made worse by the fact that Stephen Gamble uh, was the original illustrator for the series, and his art style is very dark, and it complements very well with the stories, but, like, when you're a kid and you're reading a horror story, you don't really need help imagining what's happening but gamel definitely put a very very dark tone like there was no pretending what was Mm -hmm. going on no not at all i don't think he always either went i think it was to illustrate the point of what was right he wasn't like going for shock value it just it complements his particular art style exactly to have it with really complement each other but yeah i think some sort of activist group in like the 90s got up in arms and so the books were reissued with different artwork yeah yeah his books are extremely good i forgot like i used to have at least one of the books i think i used to have the uh trail like all four Mm -hmm. of them if they are if i do they're in tennessee right now right but the art is striking. Like, even the cover of all the books, it, it like, enticed you into at least looking at it. Even if it scared you, you yeah. wanted to look. As, as a kid who mm-hmm. was into horror, I remember seeing those books. And, like, when, you know, because I think the, the second one came out about the time that I was, like, in elementary school. So when I would be around the Scholastic Book Fairs and stuff, and I distinctly remember the third one coming out. Because that was in, like, the late 90s or early knots. And just seeing those covers and like knowing I was I was in for a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I totally understand that. Yeah, I just think it's very interesting. And again, it's not something standard because it wasn't like Goosebumps. Oh no, which um was play more playful horror. Yeah, it was very much more of a, like a tongue in cheek, but also we're gonna put kids mm-hmm. in situations they ought not be in. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Scary Stories was very much like. These are stories that basically the teenagers and the younger adults could, like, tell each other 
around a campfire to scare each other, just kind of dumbed down a little bit for kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I really did love these stories. Some of them are so unusual, and then some of them are just really realistic, like something like that could happen, and probably did happen, was inspiration for that story. Right. I think in the moment, as I was reading them for the first time, there are significant ones that really stand out and, like, grabbed me from the beginning. Things like the, um, I think it's the big toe, and yeah, the, uh, I think it's called the pet, and the you know the the big lady i forget what that story is called i think i know what you're talking but it was included in the the adaptation from guillermo del toro Mm -hmm. and of course harold harold was always like the one that fucked me up almost the most um (laughs) but there is literally one story that for the longest time i could recite pretty much verbatim it's not like it's hard because, again, these stories are fairly done down for children. But yeah. it continued to stick with me throughout the years. And to this day, it is why I check the backseat of my car when I get in it at night. Ooh, okay. And it's the cause of high anxiety. And if you know, you know. It's called High Beams. Okay. And uh, I actually reread it last night just to kind of make sure I had all the details right. But also because throughout the years, I have gone through periods where I couldn't find it in my anthology. And so Ooh, okay. uh, it's almost like like maybe I had made this story up because like I could see it with a gamble art style drawing but it was just like i could never find it but i finally found it last night it's official it's in the original scary stories to tell in the dark this girl's in high school and she's driving home from like a basketball game or something as she pulls out of the parking lot this truck pulls out behind her and she lives of course to make the story you know get the point across she lives like at the in the middle of podunk nowhere she has to drive Mm -hmm. on basically a dirt road that only her house is Mm -hmm. at the end of and shit like that but this truck follows her the entire time and uh every now and again the driver of the truck will turn on their high beams keep them on for like a couple seconds then turn them off and then like a minute or minute and a half later they're on again so naturally the girl starts freaking out and she's like what do they want (laughs) what what am i supposed to do Mm -hmm. she like changes speed a lot and she passes a lot of cars and the truck just keeps up with her she eventually gets home pulls into the driveway runs inside and is like call the cops and so the the cops show up and that's how you know this is a probably a fictional story because the cops were there almost immediately. Mm-hmm. The cops get there and they start to arrest the dude driving the truck, you know, harassment and whatever. Mm-hmm. But he goes, no, you don't want me. You want him. And he points at her car. And so they check her back seat Whoa. and there's a dude with a knife sitting in the back seat. <gasps> and he had been sitting on the floorboard as she drove home. And every time he raised up to like try and overpower her, that's when he would turn on the high beams to let the dude know, like, I see you. <gasps> Like that. The the driver explained that like he saw the man get in her car, but he didn't have time to stop it. And instead of you know immediately calling the cops, and this is how you also know these these are really old stories because we would just have mm-hmm. our cell phones. Yeah, but they don't. But instead time. of you know calling the cops and waiting, he decided to follow her mm-hmm. to make sure that nothing happened to her. That story has stuck with me because there is absolutely nothing supernatural about that, and it terrified me. <laughs> wow. Okay. That is very interesting because, yeah, you're right. It's not during a time period where everyone had cell phones. So he either had, he did have to either make the decision to stop and, like, call the cops and hope for her sake they got to wherever she was. Right. Or he could follow her and then make sure she got home safe and 
like, get her inside and call the cops from there. Like, now that would have been ridiculous in the sense of, like... Right. Like, he probably still would have followed her and still done, like, the high beam tactic, but he would have called the cops on the way. For sure. And so that's why it's like, wow, that is a... God, I wonder how many times that did happen in life. Like, that had to have happened several times. Oh, yeah. I had, like, convinced myself during the times that, like, I couldn't find it, that I had, like, heard a news story, and I was just like, you know what, that belongs in scary stories, so that's where my brain put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, to my knowledge, uh, the entire anthology of scary stories is a collection of different folk tale, which is where, like, the supernatural things come from, and mm-hmm. different, like, local legend-style stories that he, like, compiled and sort of made his own collection it's a uh, it's it's interesting especially because he didn't go the way of like a lot of popular like monsters and legends yeah unless he did and he just you know changed them to give his own you know the undead flair or whatever particular flair he was going for yeah. at the time i think it's very cool though that you also picked once cuz both of mine are not supernatural the ones I picked. Yeah. So um, that's why I was like, ooh, he already started with a non-supernatural one. I'm going to follow you up. Ooh. I'm going to go basic because this one is just real dumb when you think about it. There are a few like that. This went down. It's dumb because of the people involved. Okay. In all rounds. So this one is called The Bride. Now, The Bride in this situation is just a minister's daughter. She has a beautiful wedding. It's the day of her wedding. She has a beautiful gown. There's a feast. They're all celebrating. You know, they're playing a lot of games, but this included, for some reason, childhood games. One specifically called Hide and Seek. So, everyone starts playing Hide and Seek. The bride decides to go up into the attic and hide in her grandfather's trunk. And she thought no one would ever find her there. And she was very impressed with herself. As she was trying to climb in, the lid actually clamped down and it cracked her head right so she fell unconscious as the lid slammed shut and it locked so i guess it was an automatic lock or it could have been uh because i know some of those older trunks have like just that latch Mm -hmm. that goes over like the ring and if you are if you were to be inside of it you probably couldn't open it she was unconscious for a while you know everyone's being found and they're getting a little concerned because they can't find the bride they just think she's an excellent seek- like hider at this point. But um, they're calling her name, and she apparently does awaken, and she's screaming for help. And the whole village is there, so this was a small village. They look almost everywhere, <laughs> but we can all presume they did not check the trunk, because um, after one week, everyone gave up as she was lost. So I'm going to stop there for a moment, because A, who the fuck's playing hide-and-seek at weddings? I have never been to a wedding. <laughs> but from what I know... Hide and seek is not one of the go-to realms. Oh, yeah. However, you know, this is like a story. You, you just got married, so you're at the reception. Everybody's drunk. And you're like, mm-hmm. you know what? It's fucking hide and seek time. Well, see, that's the other thing. It did not mention alcohol, but this was a child series. Right. So, but we can presume there was alcohol, even though this was the minister's daughter. My other thing was, she's. it says she's screaming. She's cr- like clawing, to get, trying to get her way out. How does no one hear her? How does everyone search the house but not search the attic? Because the attic is the one place I would always think of to put someone. Like, for a hide-and-seek. Like, everyone loves the basement or the attic. So my immediate thought process would be to check the attic and check the basement. But the whole village is there. So let's presume this is a tiny village. 
less than a hundred. You're telling me a hundred people looked all over this village, looked in their own homes for this woman, said, don't know, guess she, uh, just got lost. I just do not believe. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is this is like um, Kim McElroy's kind of stuff. It's, it's Everyone knows she's dead in there. Like, everyone knows she's in there. You know someone found her and just said, but she's kind of a bitch. Like, do we really want her out? Right, right. Because, I mean, even her groom or, you know, whoever she's marrying gives up. What if mm-hmm. the, the one person that actually, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and assume that it was only one person that they actually sent up into the attic mm-hmm. to find her, did find mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. but it was the guy that she jilted to marry whoever she was marrying. Oh, so he just so he just came back down and was like, I don't know. Oh, okay. That's see, that's an interesting ploy. See, that's the thing. This leaves a lot of holes in it because late years later, a maid is looking upstairs in the attic for something. She thinks, oh, it could be in the trunk because you know she's just in an attic. She's gonna look in any storage area. Hmm. So she thinks to look in the trunk for whatever she's looking for. She opens it, screams. So she's found years later, and once again, like. There's so many things I, I question about this. Like, you know, pretty much what I love about this is it looks like a simple accident, but you have so much holes in it. You could easily, like you said, it could be a jilted lover who just heard her and then said, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> that's that one. That's my shortest one. So that's why I started with that one. Right. The next one's a little better, in my opinion. As I'm flipping through my anthology, I actually did mm-hmm. fall on one very, very popular legend that doesn't seem to be really adapted in any way into something else. But the hook, you all know the story. Ooh, I've seen it played out in a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. I actually think it was featured in some iteration of it, like AHS most recently and then a lot of horror movies go for like the lover's lane kind of attack yeah so. Mm-hmm. so many different ways it looks like it stays kind of here but because this is dumbed down for kids i'm just gonna tell the one i know pretty much from memory so yeah. two high school students usually a boy and a girl are going to the the lover's lane the hookup hideout you know whatever you want to call the place where the teenagers go. It's usually like an older thing that people talk about. Yeah. Where the teenagers will drive their car out to like the middle of nowhere or whatever. Ain't no point. Or, or yeah, make out point, anything like that. Yeah. And park the car and they can smooch or do more things. So these two teenagers have gotten there and they're like talking and eventually they start, you know, trying to get jiggy with it. And they hear like, a scraping on top of the car. Before they started getting hot and heavy, I guess it's important to mention that usually there's like a radio broadcast or something that mentions that some sort of escaped mental patient is on the loose. Mm-hmm. And generally he's said to have like a hook for a hand or something because, you know, that's what you do. Sometimes it'll be like an escaped carny, mm-hmm. anything like that. Somebody with a hook, usually for a hand, uh, is out on the loose. Yeah. The girl's like, oh my god, I'm starting to get scared. So the dude turns off the radio and starts to comfort her and that inevitably leads to stuff happening and (laughs) they hear a scraping on the car so they both start kind of freaking out and some in some iterations they'll actually see the dude like in the rear view or something Mm -hmm. but in general it can escalate to like the cars rocking back and forth from an outside force not because they're rocking it from the inside Mm -hmm. but lots of scraping and whatever a lot of terrorizing yeah pretty much very much like all bark no bite kind of deal and Mm -hmm. Once the, like, happenings stop, in some iterations, they get out of the car, but the one that I heard first, they go back to one of their houses, 
immediately and then get out of the car. And when they get out of the car and shut the door, they see that there is a hook hanging from one of the car door handles. And sometimes there'll be like a message scraped on like the side of the car. Yeah, very, that's kind of like the, an early version of like a cautionary tale to not have sex before marriage or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting though, how many of those there were basically. Yeah. Cause I feel like pretty much every region of the U.S. had their own like telling of it. Yeah, it was definitely one, um, it's similar to um, Bloody Mary, where each area has its own story retelling of it. Definitely an interesting one, though, no matter what. I think it's interesting because of the fact that it's not so much like the hook, it's the fact that, you know, people have, for years, people did believe that was what would happen, is like a crazed, insane person escaped asylum, and they're gonna go on a killing spree, Mm -hmm. and all these things. And then you had people like Zodiac, and similar reactions like that. I mean, they've done ones where, like Law and Order SVU has done ones where there's a killer, and he walks up to people making out, doing sexual things in the cars, Mm -hmm. and shoots the male, or shoots both if he's able to. Because if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the first murders that the Zodiac Killer admitted to was the couple at their, like, local mm-hmm. lover's lane. I believe so. So it's like, that's what I mean. Like, there's, even though, you know, there is a, this is kind of like a folklore, and again, each region has its own interpretations, mm-hmm. each state probably does. It's very interesting how, um, even though that is what that is, it also is very, a very common thing i mean in criminal minds for one example they had a similar situation where a man was going around killing couples that were having sex in their cars but he kidnapped the couples (laughs) forced them to have sex and then shot them yeah and that was because uh he had a he was part of a swinger situation and then uh his wife got pregnant by who knows who and he was impotent at the time, so uh, he kind of lost it. Well, that sounds and went like you invited everyone in that. the swing. Like, not judging, yeah. but... Mm. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, for that situation, she... I mean, it wasn't like she purposely, you know, went out and made sure she got pregnant by a different man. Right. But... It happened. She wasn't being safe, and she openly admitted, like, she did it because she thought a baby would make him... Oh, please don't. ...want to stay with Ooh. her and, like... <laughs> I knew that was coming. And be happy with her. Little did she know. Yeah, but the se- his sexual identity was so big for him that he uh, went insane and said, especially when she came back pregnant, because at that time he knew he couldn't get her pregnant. Right. She just didn't know that at the time. Like, she didn't know that was 100% true. Ooh. See, we uh, all learned was- something. Don't mm-hmm. keep secret. Exactly. And so that's why I'm saying, like, even though this is a folklore, so many ways it's played out in TV shows, in actual life. It's very insane. Like, the main difference is you won't get killed with a hook every time. Right. It's a, <laughs> it's, it is definitely one of those that's just, it's so ubiquitous that, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we could ever pinpoint, like, the beginning of it. But no. it has certainly spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. So, my last one, it's the white gown. Now, when I was researching, all I put in was scary stories to tell in the dark. You know, it came up with the toe, it came up with the thing, it came up with a few different ones. But then I saw the picture associated with the white gown. I was like, why does that look familiar? Mm -hmm. A, 
it's a picture of just like a gown on a door. So it looks like a ton of things I've seen. There's book covers that look similar. There's movie covers that look similar. But then when I read the story, I was like, this story is similar. And I had to, I went and double checked because I thought it was someone playing off scary stories to tell in the dark. I didn't think it was the actual, from the actual stories. So there's a young woman is invited to a dance. However, she is poor. She can't outright buy a dress, but her mother suggested why not go look to see how much it costs to rent a dress. You know, even though we can't afford you to own one, we may be able to scrounge up enough to get you a rented one. She goes to a pawn shop, and in the pawn shop for rent was a white satin evening gown in her size. So um, it cost very little. It didn't say, you know, the cost, but it cost her very little. So it was, I based on how it was like, talked about it sounded like even less than she expected so she for her a white evening gown that looked beautiful costing like you know a dollar or something to rent she was like in heaven she was so excited when she went to the dance everyone wanted to talk to her because she looked so pretty and she looked mesmerizing to people she danced she loved the time she it was one of those happier times definitely for her and she felt very included because again, she was poor, so she was very concerned about not being able to get there and fit in. She starts feeling a little dizzy and faint, so she asks one of her friends to take her home. Because she feels like she probably just danced too much, uh, wore herself out. So she goes home, um, she lays on her bed. The next morning, her mom finds her dead in the bed. Uh, there's The doctor finds no obvious cause of death, so he... Um, recommends for the coroner to perform the autopsy because there's no I mean she's a young woman I'm presuming she's a teenager you know she, since she's going to a dance that a boy invited her to there's nothing obvious until the coroner realizes there's something wrong with kind of like her skin and so she had been poisoned by embalming fluid it had stopped her blood flow the fluid was actually found on the dress so they believe it entered her skin while she was um, sweating from dancing and having a good time. When they went back to the pawn shop to question, where did you get this? You know, how did this come into a position of, yeah, you can put this for sale? The pawn shop admitted to uh, having bought it from an undertaker's helper. The undertaker helper had stolen it from a body they embalmed before it was buried. So that way you can make money off it. Yeah. And that's literally just the story. It's just like, she went, she found an amazing dress. Everything was working in her favor. Everyone thought she looked beautiful. She had a fantastic time. She went to bed and never woke up again. And again, she felt dizzy. She felt faint. But she never, like, said any other symptoms. Right. And I think it's very interesting because, again, this is a thing that does happen. It's not everywhere, of course. But it has happened. I mean, there's a thing called grave robber suit. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, this could have been written and just said the pawn shop bought off a guy and the guy is found out later to have been a grave robber of sorts. Right. So he stole it off the body, you know, after it was freshly put in the ground. So it was like, it, even though, you know, Undertaker's Helper is like a clear, like easy way to end it. It was so common in the past. And when we did start embalming people, it became an even, it became a problem like this. Because again, this is something I've seen across the board multiple times of just someone goes in thinking they found something they like, wears it. Uh, does stuff in it for a while, has a enclosed connection to their skin, and then they start having problems. And it's like, why am I having these problems? And again, if she was poor, because like, even though, like, even though she did rent this, she probably rented presuming 
it was cleaned already. Mm-hmm. Because if you rent anything, you're usually either supposed to get it cleaned or you pay to get it cleaned at the location when you return it. Like, either way, you pay for it to get cleaned. And then when she rented it, she probably was presuming she just had to wash it and take it back. That is a good way to say you should always wash your clothes wherever you get them from. Yes, but also <laughs> if you run a pawn shop, don't buy things from shady people. Well, see, that's the thing. You know, maybe the person wasn't shady per se. Maybe he didn't know that he was an undertaker's helper. He could have just been like, hey, my sister died. These are all her clothes. How much can I get? <laughs> Which people do do. Uh, I mean, I some know. people have family issues. No judgment here. There were uh, two distinct avenues that my brain went down. Uh, while you were telling mm-hmm. the story. Uh, the first, and it's the more comical one, so I'm going to lead with that. When okay. you were talking about, you know, she went to went to the, the party and or the dance and she had a good time. And, mm-hmm. and the mom found her after she, you know, she was invited by the boy and she had a good time. I was, it reminded me of the, uh, the meme. <laughs> what if I have sex before I get married? Well, then I guess you just have to be prepared to die. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> but uh, the other more serious one is... These sort of parallels to Cinderella and how this like chance meeting is what, or I guess not chance meeting, but you know, like the boy didn't have to ask her to go, but because she's poor, she had to find a a different avenue to make it to the ball or in this case, the dance and how obviously Cinderella, at least in the Disney iteration ends on a better note because they end up getting together. But like, you know, toward the end of the party, you know, she's all, all of her goodness and the, the not goodness, the, uh, you know, the what makes her look beautiful and rich is fading away because the magic is fading away. and Except in this situation, the magical was her life. Right. <laughs> and so I kind of liken it to that, like the whole reason that Cinderella was okayed to go to the ball was because she had, because mm-hmm. she had no money herself. She had no dresses. So her mm-hmm. fairy godmother was like the, the mm-hmm. lifeline to her future, kind of with the same, I would assume that, so the, the lifeline to the ball is what she ended up losing. It was the magic. And so with the girl from this story, it kind of feels like clearly the boy asked her and didn't care about her like financial situation. So that's fine. Um, but she is in a similar situation to Cinderella. And so her lifeline to the party, to the ball, to the dance was, I would assume, like her voraciousness and maybe, you know, the way she lived her life. And so that's what mm-hmm. she ended up losing to go to that dance. A little bit darker note. <laughs> I to say, I do think that's the point, though, is like these, the ones we picked um, this time at least, were very um, realistic. Mm-hmm. And again, they do rely back on, you know, ways to scare people or ways to do things like that. It's just a darker twist and a dark, it's just a darker reality that you could face, basically. But yeah, yeah. I think, um, again, I like the scary stories in the dark. Oh, yes. It's very interesting, always. I believe at different times, um, even though we both chose different ones this time, um, I do think at different times we'll probably have um, episodes where we chose two of the same ones and probably will talk about our notes about them and oh, yeah. like um things like that because i mean again this one's not in depth but and we were able to share four but um some of the other ones are a little more probing in different ways yeah more, much more explorative in two different states <laughs> exactly they will require a little more time right. but so again i've already ordered my book right <laughs> so once it gets there we can kind of start mm-hmm. to actually commit to this little series that we're starting so uh look forward to yeah. 
uh, more Gary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I would highly recommend everybody try to get their hands on a copy of the trilogy, especially if you're a fan of horror and especially if it will be a nostalgia trip for you because that was originally why I rebought the trilogy. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's some good shit. It is. But yeah, so we hope you enjoyed this little overview obviously can't quite say when the next installment of this will be coming out but uh keep an eye out no but let us know if you like this even oh yeah like if you're if you're down with some scary stories and want to interact with us about them and hear our opinions on them please Mm -hmm. feel free let us know anytime and you can do so how do you do that uh through our email which is jadedrosespodcast at gmail.com uh, or you can follow us and talk to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jaded Roses Podcast and on Twitter at Jaded Roses with an underscore at the end. Uh, also on our Twitter profile for the podcast, you can find our individual Twitter handles. But yeah, and uh, yeah, feel free. Hit us up. Follow us. Like us. Share please with your like friends. Us. Yes, please like us. <laughs> but yeah, so um, we certainly do hope you enjoyed this little very, very tip of the iceberg look at... Uh, Alvin Schwartz's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark anthology. Until next time, we are pretty, we are thorny, and we are very much over this bullshit. Mm. And stay thorny, y'all. Bye. Happy tonight.